On this week's Bet the Process podcast, we have one of our favorite guests. We may not we may t- refer to him as the bearded one, but he's also a dear friend of ours. And we talk a lot about two point math, which no one thinks to is as important as I do. And then we talk a little bit about college and a little bit about the NFL, and we give lots of picks. So hopefully we can give you guys some actual money in your pocket. And with that, let's start the process. Bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom Welcome to the latest edition of the Bet the, the, Bet, the, the Terrible Celtics post game show where both Cheetah and I, the bearded one, have. Celtics futures. I may have even taken some Celtics futures to win the NBA after 538 declared they're the best team. That was pretty much the downfall for them, right? I mean, since that moment, they have not played pretty well. Uh, I should mention we're joined by the bearded one, and we're also joined by Billy Hoyle, um, Rufus Peabody. Did you ever figure out who Billy Hoyle was? No. Like, who's he? I've never even thought about this person. Do you know? You know who that is, right, Cheetah? Isn't there like a shoe thing? Shoes? Billy Hoyle, the shoe brand guy? No, it's from like nobody gets your jokes, from, Jeff. Oh, is it from White Man Can't Jump? From White Man Can't Jump. Yeah, I was thinking of shoes for some reason, and then I remember it finally got the connection. Yeah, yeah I mean, seriously, Rufus, people get my. <laughs> someone asked me if it's negative. If I've learned over time with analytics and historical data that it's minus ev to try to make jokes to uh, try to explain jokes to rufus I, I think you just need to work on your delivery a little bit well i have a very dry deadpan delivery so ah uh, well maybe i'm just not cultured enough that must be it <laughs> okay so do we want to talk just for a minute about that game or about this series or i assume cheetah you think this series is over no i mean this is what's awful about being a celtics fan in your case here is they left you with hope again, right? Like Tatum had zero points in the first half of this game. Tyler Hero absolutely careers. Like Rufus doesn't even watch basketball. Actually watched some of this game. If we asked him who the best player, he thought the best player was in the series, it's like not even close. It's Tyler Hero is the best player in the world. He scores almost 40, and like it still goes down to the final minute. So, I mean, it's frustrating that they blew the 12-point lead in the fourth quarter, game one. It's frustrating that game two, they were up 17 nearly at halftime. Blew that game. So, I mean, it should probably be 2-2 anyways after this hero performance. But because you lost the first two, like, this one just couldn't happen. And Tatum just yeah, he just didn't show that first half. So, I think that's the swing. It's hard to win three in a row. So, they're certainly deserving dogs now to pull it off. But they've been in every game, had a chance in every game. Just, you know, lost the coin flip, if you, if you will, three out of four times. What do you think is going on with the, with the turnovers? Do you think it's because they're trying to aggressively attack a zone – and so the, the, the sort of like risk reward of that is a turnover versus like, I mean, does that, does that breed itself to more turnovers because they're driving on the zone? It's, so this is the thing. If you had asked me 
two or three years ago, if like I thought zone would ever be a thing in the NBA, like we would just laugh it off because it's like, oh, well, the zone's really easy to beat. NBA guys would figure it out after a few possessions or a few minutes or whatever it may be. And then like it's kind of worked the last two years. Like even Golden State has implemented it in, in some cases. And I was like going back the other day looking at tweets because I've tweeted about zones since like early 2019. And it's just always working now. And then Toronto did it against Boston and like they couldn't really solve it. Boston just was good at playing defense and won those games by, you know, holding Toronto to under 95 points most of the time. Uh, now Miami's outscoring Boston because you just can't beat the zone. And I, I, don't, I don't know if they think they need to attack it, but like Tatum especially, like he probably had six or seven turnovers tonight. I haven't looked, but he just attacks. And if he doesn't have a shot, he just turns and throws it to the wrong team so often. Or they reach and just slot the ball out of his hands, you know, because they're collapsing. Um, but even Marcus Smart did it a few times. It, I don't know. If you put a guy at the, at the free throw line or at the, you know, high post, and you, they're trying to get an entry pass there, half of the turnovers, I think that Gordon Hayward had a couple where he was just trying to get it to the entry post or free throw line guy, and, like, they just tipped it, right? Because Miami's super long. And so I think we're finding to some degree, at least Boston, that zone might actually work. I mean, so, eventually there'll be a team that outshoots it, I guess, but Boston's not really shooting the ball well. So for now, I mean, it's just going to work until Boston solves it. So can I ask a question here? So I know that, you know, zone is used extensively in college basketball. And you're right. I remember always hearing that zone could never work in the NBA. I guess the question is, why, why was that? Um, I mean, what, what makes the NBA so different from college? I think it's just because players are so much more talented and skilled and able to figure out like theoretically, if, if you're going up against a zone, you should always get an open shot, whether it be a three pointer or whether it be like a really wide open, like mid range, like free throw line level jumper or floater. Uh, or if the guys are playing and you're moving the ball well enough, you can get lobs to the guys on the blocks for dunks. Um, and so you can't just leave NBA guys open for corner threes and lobs and dunks and free throw line shots over and over and over. What's struggling, I guess, for Boston is that they're just having a lot more trouble getting those open looks than they should. And I don't know if – would you say Miami as a whole is seems longer and more athletic than Toronto? I feel like Boston's actually struggled more this series than – they had a few, you know, spurts where they would maybe go scoreless for three or four minutes against Toronto, but – would would eventually find open threes that just went in and they would well, they said the differences right is the is the inverted portion of the zone right so they that that miami is putting their long forwards on the top of the zone and that's like uh-huh. been somewhat the difference right um i i you know i think it's just like i think the celtics are kind of in their own head because in a lot of that second half when the celtics were making those comebacks Tatum was getting like wide open, like seven, eight, nine footers, you know, shots that he makes all the time. Right. And, you know, I just think that for whatever reason, they're just not comfortable with those shots in, in that way where they don't know exactly where the defense is coming from. So, I mean, I think, I think what they need to do fundamentally is just try to drive they, they just need to shoot right out of that zone and just shoot and try to rebound out of that zone. And because honestly, right now, missed shots and offensive rebounding are better than the 20 some turnovers that they're turnovers, getting. Right. Yeah. Cause the turnovers are caught are giving Miami easy points when realistically, like these points are at a, at a premium in the series. And 
Miami generally, you know, like with the except like the the top, like today, if Hero doesn't go off, the Celtics win that game by ten points, right? I'm like, Hero yeah, is making just I mean, the incredible stuff. Got twenty seven percent from three as a team. So you subtract Tyler Hero. I mean, yeah, they shot 42% overall. That's what's frustrating is to lose the game. The Heat finally shoot sub 30% from three, and you can't even win that one. Uh, yeah, that's frustrating. Also, last thing on the zone, do you think there's something to just kind of the analytical era where people are just driving or shooting threes where they're just not as comfortable shooting the mid-range? Now, you'd think Jason Tatum can shoot mid-range jumpers, and he had a ton that just missed. But like, even Marcus Smart, like, like people just aren't accustomed to shooting that mid-range level floater or just jump shot. Therefore, playing zone now is just going to be a little more efficient defensively than had they played zone, you know, 10 to 20 years ago. It just never really worked long term. I, I think there's uh, definitely a, a, I think there's definitely a comfort issue, right? Like there's this is not familiar to them and they don't you know, one of the reasons that people always talked about zone and how it wasn't going to work is just because in the NBA, but, but I mean, there was a reason they made it illegal, right? Like was the reason that they just thought like the quality of the game would be worse or did they think like literally like because these guys are so quick and can cover so much ground and they're so long that it's not a legal defense to play. It generally slows the game down, especially in college. Like if you're going up against like Syracuse games, there's just fewer possessions just because a lot of the times you're working for that open shot and it won't come for so long. And so that might've been part of the reason the NBA did that. It's just interesting to me because even last night, the Lakers haven't played zone. I don't remember if the Lakers have played zone all year. They're down 20 with 10 minutes left, and they switched to zone against the Nuggets, and they cut it to three. And then they had three or four possessions where they could have tied the game. They missed them. The Nuggets end up winning by eight. But like, they almost won a game. They were down 20 in the fourth quarter because the Lakers switched to zone, and NBA-level players, Jokic, Jamal Murray, the Denver Nuggets, couldn't figure out how to even get shots up. They just kept turning it over like Boston kind of did tonight and has, you know, in games regularly they've gone against it. So it's just – it's it's strange to me. I, I can't tell you if there's an answer that it's just kind of working against these NBA teams. And I don't know if it's just because the game's evolved and now – I don't know. The, the, the assumption was just that those oh, zones never going to work because, you know, they'll figure it out and they're, you just get open shots against zones and the NBA guys will make them. But either they're not making them or they're just turning it over and maybe – you know, if you have the actual personnel that's long and just good defensively, uh, you know, it just you force 20 turnovers in a game. You only have to shoot 40% and you can still win. All right, let's move on from NBA. Um, I want to ask you guys about two-point math, two-point conversion math, right? We, we've seen this this year. Um, and if you think about analytical movement right now, in football, right, we started with going for it more on fourth down and not kicking field goals in certain situations. It seems like that is starting to become better and better, at least understood about that. And But the, the two-point conversion math around things like when you're down by 14 and you score a touchdown towards the end of the game, going for it, and the idea of being down nine uh, – no, sorry, of being down mm-hmm. – is it nine that we're talking yeah, about? after you no, score no. a touchdown, when it's 15, cut it to – No, I, when you score a touchdown, you're down by 11, and you go to be – sorry. I mean, that's what everybody 15. does. You go, you go to be down three in that case. No, no, no. You're down 15. You score a touchdown. Nine, do you go nine. for it then, or do you not? And that's, that's the one that, like, perplexes people because it happened in the Cowboys game. And Mike McCarthy, who we said has locked himself in a – 
basement to learn how to become a coach, decided to go for it, didn't get it, got down by nine. And then, um, you know, that, that, that was something that he's been sort of vilified for. It was. So what's that? It was, he was vilified for that. Yeah. He, so there's like on, you know, Simmons's podcast with cousin Sal, they talked about how they don't like that. Like a lot of people talked about how you need to extend the game. Mina Kimes was talking about, you know, how that's the right thing to do. And people were telling her, no, that's not the right thing to do. I mean, I think, I thought we were past the point where, I mean, we've discussed this, I feel like ad nauseum, like, I mean, both the 14 and I mean, the 15 situation seems more obvious just because, okay. I mean, it, it's less Explain mathematically me, obvious. Rufus. Explain but, to me why the fifteen te- why the fifteen point um, one is obvious. So because again, you know what you have scenario. to do essentially, right? That, let me set up the scenario again. So you're, because I butchered it the first time, you're down by fifteen. You score a touchdown to go, which is worth six to go down by nine. Do you at that point go for two, or do you just kick the field goal, knowing that if you go for two and don't get it, you're all of a sudden down two scores. Whereas the extra point, at worst, you're going to be down one score. You say it's obvious in that situation, and we're past this, that you should for sure go for two there. Yes, because then you can act. I mean, if you, if you just kick the extra point and assuming you make it, people call that a one-score game. But in reality, it's a 50% chance about of being a one-score game and a 50% chance about of being a two-score game. Wouldn't you rather know in advance what you have to do? I guess the other the argument against could be well, then the other team knows and that they change their strategy around, right? If you if you make that two point conversion, you know they're going to play defense a little bit differently if you're down two scores than if you're down one score. But which usually yeah. benefits them because they're playing prevent. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Actually, works out. I mean, I I think it's a pretty. I agree with you, Rufus. I think it's, that it's very easy decision right but i think if you go and read some of the stuff that was written last week or you go look at the reactions to it people still don't understand it and i think there's a couple of reasons that people don't understand two-point math i think people believe that tying a game is akin to putting yourself in a position to win the game right it's like classic mm-hmm. loss aversion where they believe that if you are sort of putting yourself in a position not to lose that's the same as winning, right? And that's the classic thing about the two-point math when you're down by 14 and you score a touchdown, why you should go for it in two points for that, that point because you're giving yourself a chance to win the game in regulation. What I think is interesting that happened in that, in that um, Cowboys game where, where they did this is they did end up winning the game in regulation. I mean, they got really lucky because of an absurd onside kick, but they did – you know, put themselves in a position where, you know, like ultimately one of the options was still that they win the game in regulation. Right. Which is, which is pretty, I I, I don't know. I mean, maybe you guys don't find it interesting at all, but I I think it's interesting that we still as a, uh, as a society can't really understand two point math. You know what bugged me earlier this week? And maybe this is why you brought it up. You saw my tweet about it, but I think it was the pro football talk guys. And was it Chris Sims? I think is who it was that was on. But their whole header was like analytics leads to stupidity. And he was mostly talking about this nine point situation with the Cowboys. But like, this is what so bugs me about it is they, they throw this stuff into the bucket of analytics now when the nine point thing to me is just like logic. 
you're down nine, you want to know in advance what you need to do so you can tactically and optimally devise the rest of your game plan. So logically, you just go for two then and you figure it out from there. And they call that analytics and they think it's stupid. And so they kind of blame analytics for all this stuff that really is like really just basic game theory or something. So no, I mean, that's just kind of, thank you. I mean, it's like it's, calling like multiple, the times tables, advanced math. Yes. The times table like seven times two, 14, right? Like, yeah, there's some advanced math for you. There's analytics. Analytics says you who get six times, points if you score touchdowns. Who calls touchdown. the times table advanced math? Nobody, but, but that's calling point. That's my point. Exactly. You, you with us, Jeff? No, I just don't know who, do, who does that. I'm just no, wondering. I'd like my... to meet that person that does that because I think – No, I, nobody I, does, I, but, but it's, not, it's not analytics. You're right. It's logic. Down well, nine going for two is, yeah. It's but logic. the thing is, it's, it's kind of like if you study all, a lot of these different like psychological biases that we have, right, a lot of this is rooted in that kind of thing because ultimately the, the, the down nine scenario that we talked about, rather dime 15 to go down nine, is all about putting a decision off, right? It is about like putting yourself in position not to lose. It's, it's the same thing as not hitting a 15 versus, you know, a nine at the blackjack table you're putting that decision off and hoping that there's someone else that like, you know, again, and I think it's, it's interesting because it's, it's definitely one of those things that I like, I had to think a lot about mostly because you're right. There's no analytics to it, right? It's not like that necessarily puts you in a better position. Maybe it does because ultimately you can plan better, but the point it's, but the point is that, like from a pure numbers progression, if you looked at like all the different decision trees for it, it's, pro- it's, the same, it's the same outcomes potentially, depending on when you make the decision. But this is just this, you know, you're biased psychologically because of the idea that you can sort of like continue to play not to lose, so. Whereas, I mean, the situation where if a team is down 14, whether, you know, late in the game, the decision to go for it or kick the extra point, is kind of counterintuitive, but that's one where it's not just putting off the decision. It's actually materially different. Yeah. You're adding um, like 12 and a half percent equity or something. Like that's a, less. that's a ton. I think so that's way, that's way more important than, than going for two after scoring a touchdown down 15. For sure. Yeah. And nobody, nobody does it. The Eagles. I mean, it's happened like three, it's happened three times, year. I think. Yeah. Right. It happened a few times last year and, and that kicked off a lot of people like spinning up the, you know, the, the analytics around it and it, it kind of made people's heads hurt. And I do think that's, I do think that's the classic, you know, again, like, and I'm sorry, I keep repeating this, but it's like the people think that tying is winning and they don't realize that tying is still tying and then giving the other team the ball still is putting you in a, in, as a, as a, a underdog to win the game. So, Okay. We can move on from this. Um, Cheetah, what has your betting been like in football so far this year? We'll first talk about college uh, because we haven't talked that much about college on the pod so far this, this year because Rufus has been too lazy to actually run college numbers, and, and I don't ever do college numbers. So. I think he finally has, though. This I ran week. numbers. I ran them this week. I, I ran them last week and didn't actually, and then forgot to actually go bet. And then I was looking and being like, "Damn, the team that was this big underdog that I thought shouldn't have been a big underdog is like actually winning." Damn it! Um, and then I had some regret for 
And then I was like, please have the, you know, have the other team go and blow them out so that I don't feel bad about this. So it, and I think the, the bets I would have made ended up going like three and three or four and four or something, not the five and no, nine I mean, that we I all initially have, told Cheetah it was going to be. We all have the insane like confirmation bias around bets we don't make. I've, I've probably bets I ha- didn't make that I should have made. I'm probably winning at like an 80% clip for sure. It's amazing that how that's the case. And it's not because that's the case, right? It's just because we tend to forget about the ones that we would have bet that we would have lost. We only remember like the painful ones that we should have bet that we didn't bet. So classic confirmation bias. Um, Cheetah, what's college been like for you so far this year? And how, what angles are you playing? Are you playing anything different? No. So no, no angles outside of, you, there's a little more work going into figuring out where schools are at uh, COVID related stuff. Like how many practices have they had in the last couple of weeks? Did they have any camps that were, were shut down in the fall in August or multiple schools that shut down for, you know, in August for 10 to 14 days or beginning of September. And then, okay, well, how many practices and pads have they had? And, you know, this is their first game playing. And then, then there's the actual, like, all right, people play the game are they going to test positive this week? You have to stay up on all of this stuff. What ends up happening is, so there've been like a few times, like Georgia Southern last week was, you know, plus four or even higher initially. Uh, once it settled in after openers, it was like plus four for a day or two. And, you know, they're playing Florida Atlantic, I think it was. And then the news comes out that Florida Atlantic's, like most of their offensive line is in quarantine. A bunch of stuff. Anyway, Georgia Southern ends up moving to like minus three. And then they just canceled the game anyways. They ended up playing the game. There was a, like three or four games, I think today that have been canceled. Um, I can pull them up, but I don't – like, so South Florida, Florida Atlantic, uh, Notre Dame, Wake Forest is a bunch of Notre Dame ones that tested positive. North Texas, Houston, um, which I know early on, 69.5-70 was a total that got bet up, and then, uh, I know some people are frustrated about that. Um, I had a Houston-Baylor bet last week. Also, Houston-Baylor was canceled. Tulsa-Arkansas State, another one that was canceled. So a lot of these, like, now – are just getting canceled anyways. So you try to get ahead and, you know, information wise, or if, you know, there's going to be a team that's beat up. Do you think that's worth the time though, if the games keep getting canceled anyways? Well, right, that's, what like, I, that's what I'm getting at is outside. There was one that really didn't get canceled. We, I bet Kansas state minus nine and it closed like 15 and then they lost outright anyway. So <laughs> it's like, that was frustrating for one, but also all these other ones are just getting canceled. So is it worth it? That's a great question. Um, Virginia Tech's another one. You know, I bet NC State and Vatek uh, coach uh, Justin Fuentes said that, you know, they're not sure where they're going to be at and hope that they can play the game. That way he left it super vague, but like sounded like kind of detrimental. So uh, feels like you're free rolling a little bit there, right? It could get canceled, but like, yeah. yeah. Um, but other than that, it's just the same process I've always had outside of just trying to keep up on the news. But um, so far through the start, I'm down a little bit. So uh, that's a little bit different. Usually the first few weeks of college are, are pretty strong. Well, last year, I mean, the first few weeks of college, you were killing it. Yeah, I just couldn't miss. So I guess we're, we're balancing out a little bit. You're like, like a Jason Tatum. Like you go 0 for 7 in the first half and then you score 30 points in the second half. Did he so. score 28, I think it was, in the second half? So you look at his stat line overall and it was all right. So hopefully, hopefully we have a strong uh, middle to the end of the short season. We got Preston, SEC did you, at least now. Did you struggle at the end of last year too? I had the same thing. I started out like gangbusters and then kind of hobbled in at the end. I, I typically – that happens, I feel like, a lot of the seasons for me. Like weeks one through nine are really strong. 
and then 10 through 14, 15 is, isn't nearly as good. So can I ask, like, just betting related question? Like, have limits been the it's same? It's a betting podcast, Rufus. You can ask. Well, I mean, we haven't. Question. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, have betting limits for college football been consistent with previous years, or have you found a, it, it a struggle to get down as much, just given the fact that books may be cautious, given how much more, I guess, the, the, the more prominent role information is playing? I'm fairly certain that immediate openers are slightly less. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll, I'll be honest. I, anything that I bet, I send other people that are getting down for me and I don't do a lot of the actual wagering. So, uh, right. But what they turn in and it's all off screen usually too. So, but, but I will, I, I'm pretty sure I've looked like, you know, you have Chris up and their limits maybe would typically be like 2k or maybe it's only 1k for the first like evening through the night until the next morning. And so I think they are slightly less. Um, but I, I, I couldn't say definitively, to be honest, I, I really haven't been fired. I don't know if like in Vegas, if they're different, I know you had mentioned that maybe you couldn't get as much down this week when you guys started betting as you typically have in the past. So maybe Vegas is being more cautious. Um, I'm not sure about the East coast either. Yeah. I mean, we, we had issues with turning being a lot lower than last year and, okay. and I, yeah. it didn't come as a big surprise to me. I mean, cause we actually Turnin', did that's funny. This year. It's like, it's like kids turning in their, their homework or something. I like that expression. I've heard, never heard turn in. Turn in's like when, when you find out what people were able to get down for you. Yeah, you've never heard that? They no, turn I've never in heard that expression. Mounts. Preston, you hear that term a lot, don't you? Yeah. Okay, I'm just making sure. It's, okay. I mean, I, you guys are the professionals. It could, I'm just the, it, could, it could normalize in two or three weeks. You know, once the SEC is gone and more games are flowing, it definitely could. Uh, but, I, it's, yeah, it's understandable that early on, and there's still schools that haven't even played a game yet, uh, that they're being a little more cautious. So um, back to college uh, this week, Rufus. Were you? Did you have a lot of volume? I mean, not as much as per play as I had hoped. I guess I, I definitely made sure. Uh, you know, since I'm not following the information as much as Cheetah is, I'm. I'm, you know, I, I'm consulting hit with him about about like COVID related news. So that's been that's been super helpful. Like whether Dr. Burks believes the task force is doing its job. You mean exactly. COVID-related news? Um, what did you do? You feel like you move the market as much as you normally do, or more so, or less so? To be honest, or I don't know. So I, I I didn't pay any attention to it. Can we talk about I, some of I the games set, you bet? Then? I didn't do it. I I did not handle the trading, and I um yeah, I can pull it up. Sure. So um, let's talk about he it. definitely, I know, I know he liked Georgia state and they're now minus three and he bet like probably plus one through minus one. So that's definitely gone his way. Um, we both like Texas and that's gone up a little bit from 17. Uh, What's Georgia uh, what else state did now? you got? They're minus three, a cheap. Minus wow. They're minus three. three? I have it in my doc, uh, like it highlighted at plus one. So that's, yeah, yeah we got down, we got down in good shape there. Yeah. We got down five figures at plus one. I like that. What'd you make the line for that game? Um, Georgia State minus four and a half. Mm. So minus three. It's minus three even right now. Yeah, I wouldn't. So what was the other one you said, Preston? Uh, Texas, I know, was one we both lined up on. They're up to 18 and a half or 18. Yeah. You got that at like 17? Yeah, Preston got a much better number than I did there probably. Yeah, well, they Preston were, bets early. 
Texas Tech running back who got arrested, and I was like, I just have to try to get some of this. But I think you guys got some 17. I mean, Preston what about bets, the running backs don't matter crowd? Preston bets, Preston bets uh, less than Zilbo does, so it's fine. <laughs> that's why he's able to get. That's why he's able to bet so early in the week because he's only putting down nickels. You put nickels on games, right? You, you know, actually, that, lots of nickels out of that. Someone said that Bet Online Monday is taking 5K sides Monday morning. They go up pretty, pretty quickly. They go up pretty quickly in limits. It seems like they're. I, I think 5K is more than before. I don't know if they're just trying to like monopolize on like five dimes leaving the U.S. or I don't know. But I thought that was actually pretty impressive. Oh, you guys liked? Uh, did you take Army plus 14? Am I making that up? Um, let me look. And is it highlighted? Rufus always yeah, yeah. lost the Army. We team. did the Army team, but um, but um, yeah, my down to 13 at Chris. Yeah. What did you make uh, that line, like Auburn? Eight and a half. I made it eight and a half. But oh, so again, again, I'm not, I'm not up to – this is just – okay, I'll, I'll say this. This is without, like, doing anything individual player related. So I'm looking at – like, I'm not saying, oh, this guy opted out of the season. I'm going to doubt – like, so I have to change my numbers. I didn't do any of that. This is, like, basic, basic Massey Peabody thing that was – Yeah. That's why he kind of was asking me. He's like, am I in good shape with Army? Have anything, has anything weird happened? And they've already played two games in that. They're in pretty good shape. So uh, he was, I was like, yeah, you're, you're good to fire the plus 14. One that you like that everyone else I know that bets is on the other side uh, is the Kentucky-Auburn game. I know you guys laid the seven, and everyone else I know liked the plus seven and a half. So I didn't bet it. I'm just staying away. I think it's actually fair. But uh, – a lot of people are just slurping up Kentucky. I think they have three offensive linemen that are projected to be in the NFL. And Auburn, like, typically, especially at home, like, would be a massive fave over Kentucky. And they just have the background and, like, the talent, the recruiting, the coaching. Bo Nix, a quarterback, second year, new quarterback for Kentucky. Um, well, Kentucky has a quarterback, though. Well, Kentucky's got a wide receiver last playing year, quarterback. Last year they had uh, Lynn Bowden Jr. I know, it's a joke. That was like a very favorable yeah. argument you guys I, used to get. Do you know what? But it, as a result, I might be like low on Kentucky because I'm not realizing that they were playing a wide receiver. Like, I don't have a thing that says, oh, check here. Check this box if there's a wide receiver playing quarterback so I can like realize that their offensive production isn't what it would be if they theoretically they have a regular quarterback trying to play quarterback now. So <laughs> that's important. Should be back to where they were. Oh my god. Um, oh TCU is the last one. They took plus three on TCU, I think. Yeah, we, we took plus three on TCU. Which which is still around some spots looking at the screen. It's it's hit or miss, but uh there was some threes that were around today at least. I love Preston telling everybody yeah, they have everything a- I'm on. This is fantastic. Preston gives away yeah, a lot more than I do don't, about so. my place. I know. Preston's a savant, uh, dude. I know. I don't. I don't think you can bet anything though. Still, so this this goes to the point we were trying to get at. Jeff's question: Did you influence the market? I don't think you can bet anything that Rufus bet at this point. And that, yeah, uh, yeah. So he he still did his thing. We lost you a little bit there, Preston. I think, or maybe I just did. But yeah, Preston, um, you, oh, what are you doing? Bad. Are you? Using I was Fisher- just saying that Jeff. Go ahead. I feel like you're using Fisher Price, my first internet. Like it's like a. This isn't your best internet connection ever. Are Are you in your new home? Yeah, I'm in. Oh, I'm congratulations! In I'm in a different room than I normally am. In. Uh, did you actually buy a home? Maybe you should turn off your video. I mean, I, I love looking at the beard, but maybe it'll be faster. Yeah, you should turn, turn off, off your video because you're cutting out. 
Yeah. But I think what Preston was saying was basically that that when you're when you're trying to get down a good amount, like it doesn't even matter who you are. If you're hitting it a bunch of places, you're going to move the market. Is that well, right, Preston? Oh, I, I wasn't going that way. I was giving you more credit than that. I was like, no, he was saying I was that giving, none of the stuff you bet is playable anymore. Yeah, I was just saying. Oh. Jeff asked, like, did you influence the market? And I said, I don't know, six or seven games. I don't think anyone could get the same number that you bet them at. Now that could be different though on Friday night, Saturday morning. Right. I mean, some of but them come now. back inevitably. I'm not. Yeah. Uh, you who know, do you guys think is right. at this point? Who do you think is more feared? It's between the two of you guys. Should we do a Twitter poll? Wait, I, I don't think. Poll? Wait, I'm gonna guess. I'm going to say not applicable because I think that Preston and I both in general, like people like the plays I'm guessing the people that don't, people don't know that it's us that are behind the plays we're betting. Would you agree with that? Yeah, no people, if they see something move, they won't know that it's you or I that's behind it. Some do, but the majority. No, people know, people know that it's you Preston. I told you for sure. Like one of my outs was like, these Preston bets you're making. And I was like, I, I mean, I don't bet all his bets. I bet the ones I like. Oh, that was, that was, new. that was, yeah, I forgot about that. that um, so who do you guys think if, if I did a poll on Twitter, who's more feared Rufus Peabody, Preston Johnson, Preston, definitely Preston, Doug Kazarian or oh. Jason McIntyre. What would be the rank order on Twitter? Well, feared in what way? And Preston has the beard. He wins I, I weighed them up. And Preston's an imposing force. If, if I fell on them. I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm very not scary. Okay, so anything else in college, guys? Anything angles we want to talk about? I really so, don't yeah. think there are, there are many angles outside of – I will say, and I haven't blindly bet any of these, is, or I would have said it earlier. If you're a first-year coach, going into last Saturday – they were like two and eight against the spread. They're just like the NFL essentially, right? It's yeah, it's very similar. And I'm pretty sure that I think it was like one and three or one and four on Saturday. So it's rough. It's like three and 12, maybe now three and 13 range. So, uh, so like for example, and, and a lot of times it's like in these cases, it's first time head coaches and it's their first year. And it was just the weird, awkward off season. So it's just compounded. Um, but like one, so here's another one. Like I, I like it, but there's some COVID stuff conditioning. I heard today wasn't very good that during a scrimmage, the offensive starters only played half of the snaps, but like Ole Miss, like this number is pretty crazy. I know everyone's high on Florida Lane Kiffin goes over. He takes over. I mean, they're getting 14 and a half at home. Um, or at least that's where I bet it. I know it's four. I, I played it there too. I played at 15 played and 14 and a half. Yeah. I think that's the right play, but also it, it is a, a first year coach. He's a new guy. And I know that they had to shut some stuff down in August and uh, you know, they haven't, they've only been practicing full pads, I think since September 12th. Um, and then Florida is obviously a little more continuity there. So like, it's kind of hard to balance and quantify all that. But one thing I think does make some sort of difference is Lane Kiffin's been a head coach for a while and been offensive, offensive coordinator, obviously before that, even, um, you know, at Bama and, and prior to that. So I, I, I like Ole Miss is uh, something that's still, you know, somewhat bettable but it's, it's one where you're trying to gauge the continuity versus the entire new regime and like their first game of the season and um, the market definitely moved initially from 12 and a half up to 14 and a half on Florida just like right out of the get-go Monday morning so question Preston how much do you think something like that is worth and how quickly I know Jeff asked me this last week like how, how quickly do you think that sort of decays like when does that cease to matter is it a number of games is it a length of time so 
I don't know. I can't, I can't tell you definitively. It's, it's such a unique setup anyways. Um, and we've never really seen it before, but I'll tell you this. So the first time we, we kind of have a baseline this season of a team that came out and said, we didn't have full pad practicing at all. We wanted to take things, uh, you know, we wanted to go safety first. They were cautious. Uh, it was the BYU Navy game, which was essentially about a pick. I think BYU moved from a small dog to closing the small favorite. And it was a final score of 55 to three. BYU just like Navy looked like they didn't belong. Like they just didn't know how to tackle. Their angles were awful. They were getting pushed off the line, both offensively, defensively. And it was just men amongst boys. And the second, the second game that Navy played um, is pretty inflated too. I mean, they were like plus eight, seven and a half for a lot of the week against Tulane. And this is last back, week, right? And they were winning week, yeah. by a lot and then and, ended up. And at halftime, they looked the exact same. Tulane was up 24-0. Oh, no, they were down, and, and then they come back to win, right? Yeah, and, and it was just like, all right, so Navy's played six quarters having not practiced at all, and they're down 79-3 to against teams that aren't, like, that great. And then they came back and scored 27 in the second half, and it's like they finally woke up and something clicked. Uh, so it's tough to say. You know, there was another uh, – was it – I can't remember who it was, someone – Houston, maybe it was the Baylor game. Baylor maybe had limited pads as far as full practices. It was only five or six. Um, it might have been Tulsa, actually. I think Tulsa had only played practice five times in full pads. And so it's like, well, how do you quantify that relative to where Oklahoma State is? And it's, it's tough. I don't think there's really an answer yet. And then to your question is, how does it decay? That's a, that's a really good point. Like, okay, well, once they play one game, then is, are things just normal? That's why I thought that Navy game was really interesting that they – still got blown out that first half. And then the second half, they, they kind of came back into things. So uh, I don't know. That's something I just kind of, you know, I have to kind of play by ear, but I think it's something that's going to force my hand to bet one thing just because of that or stay off of something just because of it. Uh, so in, wait, in retrospect, that. would you say that the market overreacted to the, to Navy a little bit because, yeah, because of I, the extent I, of that I, blowout? I, yeah, I, w- I was kind of mad I didn't end up betting the plus seven and a halves. I just was really seeing 55 to three. I don't think BYU's that good. Um, and then obviously halftime, I was happy that I didn't bet it. And then maybe just went crazy. And bet it. But I mean, the market, the thing is the market's efficient still to some extent, right? So it, it moved and got down to, I think four and a half was the close. So if it goes eight to four and a half, like, the market had overreacted, but the people that actually influenced it, you know, didn't let it stay at eight. So um, I think the market eventually kind of finds where it should be either way. Okay. I mean, I, I like, I, I enjoyed that where you talked about the process of, of sort of where you see what happened in this game and how that sort of informs things. Um, it is interesting though, to see like a game like Florida Ole Miss where we know being an Ole Miss, we're on the, the side against the narrative of continuity right and so how much how much that's actually worth since like i make that number eight right and so is it worth six yeah i'm well i'm a lot lower i was was eight or nine as well okay yeah i think another one like that that you may have looked at i don't recall if you bet it or not but uh georgia arkansas is another one uh georgia's you know they do have a new quarterback but continuity is as far as Kirby Smart and everything going on there in Arkansas, just like total new regime, like supposed to be awful. And they're getting, you know, 26 and a half, 27 points now at Chris. You got tw- um, well, we took yeah, There's going to be a lot of those. We took 26 and a half and 26. Sorry. You got the 27. That's actually still available. I didn't know you had ended up betting that. Uh, that's the one that's still around if you, uh, people wanted to tell something that Rufus is on. 
Well, it's like, always yeah, good to tail the plays that have market resistance, right? Yep. Okay, can we can we move to NFL? By the way, that's when like oh, when, when people say like how oh. bad my plays are. Um, I mean, I'm not making excuses, but generally the plays that I give out are definitely ones that have market resistance. So then people say, well, why should, why should I even give those out? And that's a fair point. But although, wait, wait, my play last, my U.S. Open play, which I moved, the one I gave out last week on DraftKings that was like minus 112, it moved to like minus 160 something. They took it off the board and it won by a lot. So I'm going to give myself a little pat on the back there. There you go. And, and get ready to get criticized on Twitter for touting myself. Tap, tap. But, but we broke tap. we broke the jinx. We broke the jinx. That's the key. Okay, so NFL boys. The NFL is back. And we're back talking about it. What so far is the thing? Again, I, let's do what we did last time. I'm just so interested to hear where Preston and I differ on all these games because I feel like he's gonna like rip me apart on some of these. NFL be fantastic. Yeah. No, NFL. We ran our numbers for the first time this year for, for games. So we had three sets and, of numbers. Yeah, well, um, well, let's start with Thursday night. We got Jacksonville, who is now everyone's gone from like thinking they're terrible to all of a sudden they're a three-point favorite over Miami. Is that crazy or is that yeah. the right, is the this right the most- move? Is also, is this the most exciting? Is this game more exciting than Cleveland-Cincinnati? I'm not sure. You mean, la- like, compared to last Thursday? Yeah. <laughs> They're giving us some real marquee matchups. I mean, Gardner matchups. Minshew versus Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick, this is, like, good stuff. Um, no, it's interesting because our numbers actually like Jacksonville. So, mm-hmm. who knows? Jacksonville minus the three. Maybe that's why the market's where it's at. I- I mean, wasn't Jacksonville like the definitive worst team in the NFL preseason? I mean, I yeah. didn't have them there, but you didn't. Some Who was your worst know. team um, going into the season? Hold on, I'll pull it up. Um, yeah, no, you won. guys were Oppo first. Were you on? Were you on? We Indy were. First I'm on ja- no. I was on Jacksonville over futures, and then I was like, "Damn it! Why didn't I wait?" Because it ended up like going down and down and down because of the tanking. But people thought they were tanking. Okay, they were close to the worst. I had the the Washington football team as the worst going into the season. Then Cincinnati, then Jacksonville, then Carolina. Okay, I think that's that's higher than most people did preseason. I mean, they won that weird fluky Colts game where the Colts didn't even punt, but somehow the Jaguars won anyways. Jaguars. And then they, they hung with Tennessee. I don't know, but and, and it's not like Miami has gone the other way. They covered against Buffalo and kind of hung around in New England. I, I don't know if that one is like I think would have been one or one and a half before the season. I haven't looked. It was, it was even, I think, when this opened. Even? Okay. Yeah. And, you know, three, I think, is excessive now. So I haven't bet it yet, but I just disagreed with that kind of reaction. And a lot of over got steamed, too. I think it's up to 48. So that was probably the place to just bet over. Over 48 minus 126 on Chris now. Gee, so 48 and a half, basically. Yeah. Um, okay, so what what has surprised you guys most this year – um, we've talked a lot. I don't press. I don't know if you've listened to our recent pods, but we've talked a lot about the Patriots and did that game against Seattle, which probably most of us watched, did that make you feel better about the Patriots chances to be a contender this year or worse? I mean, it had to be better. Right? Yeah. I don't think anyone could be disappointed in, in how that turned out. Is that a trick uh, question? I, mean, I was, I was touting Russell no, Wilson. Was, I only wanted week. one answer. So good. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I, I was touting Russell Wilson all week, and I wanted to get his MVP price before that game, the NFC futures on Seattle before that game. And my, theor- my, my thinking was that if Seattle lost in week two, he could still win MVP. They could still win the NFC if they lose week two. But if they won, it's on national television. Like those prices just probably will never be as good as the rest of the season. All right. And so I'm, I, I, they're calling plays more analytically savvy. They're way more pass heavy on first down. They're letting Russell cook, which has been the narrative. Like they need to do it just because they've been more efficient when they've been down in games and letting him throw. And then so sure enough for two games, they're letting him throw. Like he's been a top five, at least probably top three quarterback for a few years. They just haven't let him loose. So I think Seattle was, it was the time to buy was really before the season or, you know, last week, but to see what the Pats did anyways, to hang and then almost win the game, you know, by a yard, essentially. I think that's impressive. I'm New England, especially, you know, in their division. Uh, Buffalo's been impressive too, but against, you know, who? I, I, I want to see it this week against the Rams, at least, before I say that they're supposed to be a favorite over New England. So I still think New England's definitely in the mix. Uh, Cam threw it around, like, no problem, too. It was a little bit different than game one because they were trailing a lot, and he did both. Game one, they managed, and he ran the ball really well. And they played slow last week. He, did he end up getting over 400 yards? Edelman, uh, 390. I knew. 397 or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, wow. I'm definitely not anti-New England because they lost that game by a yard. So can I ask, Preston, where do you have – well, two things. Um, where do you have the Patriots-Raiders line? And also, um, I don't know if you run anything um, – future simulations or anything on a weekly basis but if you do what do you have for the division odds for new england and buffalo so the line for new england and the raiders let me pull it up i have it on a tab just give me 10 seconds okay do you have your division up i'm curious because i think before the season buffalo closed the favorite by about 25 cents maybe it was a little bit more you guys do you remember i mean going in okay um i i don't know I, I just have my numbers up. Like going into the season, I had New England 34.2%, Buffalo 31.2%, the Jets 27.4%. That looks like a mistake, doesn't it? You can get the Jets at 35 to 1 now if you're interested, Rufus. Yeah, and I did. We did give, we did give them did. out like at the beginning of the season. So Wasn't it like 11 to 1 when you guys had uh, Ed Teach on? And, 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 he, and he and I were both like in agreement on that one too. Like, yeah, thanks and for I, that, guys. When thanks. two people, when yeah, thanks. When we agree, I, it doesn't work. I out remember like looking thanks. a few hours. I looked a few hours after you guys did that pod, and it was like plus eight hundred on this. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to bet that. And it luckily, saved me money. But you hey, guys definitely. So you think? <laughs> you, you think? How are this? Okay, so let's just. I know I you want to get. I just bet the. I bet. I just bet like right? earlier today the Gi- the Giants to win the NFC East at forty six to one. I only got like $150 down on it, but still. That's another. I mean, I would take the Jets at that price too. Um, (laughs) They're 35 to 1 on Chris. Yeah, and I would definitely take them at that price. I still have them at 8.9% because, but I'm probably wrong. (laughs) Anyway. So So what do we make the AFC East, guys? That's what we're talking about. Patriots versus Raiders, I'm minus 6.2. Damn. So I haven't bet that game. I think it's pretty fair at six, six and a half. Rufus, you must yeah. see some value in it. I, yeah, I have it only minus three. But oh wow, we'll, we'll, we'll get to why in a second. Okay. And then I have uh, Buffalo 47% to win the division, more or less. And then uh, I have New England at 45.5%. So I have them pretty close. 
Uh, but so, Buffalo has a slight edge. I think their schedule is a little easier. Well, they're also uh, two and zero versus one and one, right? Oh, that would make sense. Exactly why it's that. Yeah. yeah. But I still have New England rated the better team for sure. So, question then: So, where where are the Jets then? Uh, I think I'm. I want a number. I want to know if you think the thirty-six to one is value too. I just close the tab. I'm pulling it back up. I think it was just under three percent. You had them like what, like sixteen or eighteen or something going into the year. Three point like twenty-two, but I, I like twenty-second ranked, but I, but I still had them because of their schedule and all that. Like I, I downgraded them pretty heavily, like especially when the market went to ten and a half, eleven, uh, and and I haven't. I, I feel like I'm actually still higher on the Jets than I should everyone else is other than you but uh three point two percent and ed teach that's true you guys both like new york but uh, so where are you at in the division then is Um, it close oh right now so division i have jets is 8.9 percent dolphins 1.8 percent um new england 38 percent bills 51 percent so so you are very heavy buffalo versus new england yeah, and I actually like the Raiders this week too, and I, I bet I bet them at um, at plus six and a half. It's what is it six now? Mm-hmm. But but I, I will say, I mean, one of the reasons is going to be the fact that like I don't think I'm adjusting quickly more like quickly enough to New England, given the fact that I think there was a higher degree of uncertainty there, given that Cam Newton was their starting quarterback, and we didn't know what Cam we would get. Would we get sure. the Cam that? had couldn't really throw the ball downfield because of his shoulder um and if like so would he be would he be healthy and would he be able to be utilized properly by the patriots and i mean that second part i don't even know why that's really a question because i mean i think the patriots are very good at getting the most out of their players and they've shown that during the belichick tenure and so i mean i think it's a situation where essentially there was more uncertainty at that position and i think Cam Newton and the Patriots have definitively shown that like that they are, I mean, that we have the, the real cam back. He's throwing the ball with zip. He can make all the throws and the Patriots are deploying him effect. Like they're, they're, they're using, they're utilizing him really well. So I think that's, that's a weakness of, of Massey Peabody um, and not like we're, we're not adjusting them more than we would, um, if it was like, let's say Tom Brady coming back and he had played two games and had overperformed. So your numbers would be higher with Brady in there than with, with uh, Newton right now. Well, I'm just saying we wouldn't probably, well, I I think, yes, I I think so. Well, yes, yes. And the other thing is I think we're lower on cam because he played through all these injuries the last two seasons and played more poorly as a result. And so, you know, we weight more recent seasons more heavily in terms of the quarterback rating. So I think okay. our, our rating on Cam Newton was a little low. Anyway, sorry, I long-winded. I under but in this game if anyone wants action. 47 and a half I played today. You played the under? Yeah. We got uh, two teams that are like top five of the NFL and early down rush percentage and just overall rush percentage. I think both are around 50% or higher. Situational pace I have of both teams, bottom seven in the NFL and – uh, I think New England obviously opened it up and threw a lot more just because of their setup in the second half against Seattle. But uh, project this to be quite a bit slower game and have it closer to 45. So 47 half, I think, is a pretty big edge. Nice. Okay. I'll, I'll bet it before the podcast gets released. Can I guess one of your picks this week? Yes, you may. It's going to be very easy, and you're going to get Jets it right. Jets plus 11. 
It's, is it up to 11? I get no respect around here. I know, that's what I'm saying. I feel like I am I, – I don't know. I didn't like the Jets going into the season much, but now I actually love plus 11. So I, I'm going to be on that. I just haven't bet it yet because it's been going up and up and up. So. And you know if it's a close game, the Jets are going to win because that's Gase's MO. He, like, gets blown out, but somehow he always, in one possession games, always wins. And it's Phillip Rivers, so, yeah. And, yes, exactly. It's, and I'll be it's, honest, it's a perfect storm. Bet- it's a perfect money line storm. We were against each other on the Colts game last week, and, and I still love the Jets at plus 11. So, uh, yeah, I, you probably have this under a touchdown uh, or something, like six and a half. Yeah, I, I have it at like five and like less than six. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's in the fives. It's in the fives. I know it's, it's ludicrous. They're pretty beat up, though. The Jets are going to be one of those teams this year that just – they're like the Cleveland Browns of the couple of years ago. That's the team they're going to be this year for us. Do, were we all, we all I, we, I wasn't always on the Browns a few years ago. I, that was not. I know, but a lot of quote unquote, like just ask Doug Kazarian because he knows every sharp person out there, and every sharp was on the Cleveland Browns. He didn't write an article about that or something. Is that what you're referencing? I remember. That. I'm just I'm making fun of Doug, and I, one I know, day he'll text me and he'll listen to this podcast. But until that day, I will continue to make fun of him on this podcast incessantly. What else do you guys like, Jeff, for the NFL? Uh well we we like the Jets that's one of the reasons that I was saying that um hold on let me yeah, look it's gonna be ugly we're all gonna have it uh we like I told you we liked uh, um sadly I told you we like Jacksonville we like Cleveland oh I'm up even at there. seven wow really yeah. it's seven yeah okay you can get I mean, a cheap seven I I like the WFT. I mean, I made like, what did I get that at? Um, yeah, seven and a half seven. and seven reduced. That's what I, I got we, it at. We I, like, I make it five. I make that We five. like Carolina earlier this week. We got them at plus seven. Nobody likes that. Wait. Justin Herbert. Actually, I do. I mean, but that's because my, I mean, but that's, yeah. I, I do. Question, that's, they, they asked me this on the show this week. And so I have Christian McCaffrey rated by far uh, the most valuable running back to a point spread just because of his prowess in the receiving game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like a fairly good receiver as well. And now with his injury, they wanted to know where I valued uh, Christian McCaffrey to point spread. But, you know, I was kind of explaining that, you know, if this opened six and a half and then it had gone up to seven, kind of like 7.25, I was like, that's like a bigger, you can't just say he's worth a half point. Like that's a bigger half point than if it was 12 and a half to 13 or whatever. Uh, and then they, I think they ended up cutting me out of the segment actually. Uh, so I didn't, we didn't end up doing it, but I'm curious if you have like, I don't know if you have like an actual like point value to Christian McCaffrey or like a win probability differentiator. No, we're, we're, Rufus, I, had last I, I had it last year, but pro football focus has no longer made the data, the raw data that I used last year available. Available. Yeah. It was, it was like their V1.0. Now all you can get is the, the game grades that's already been processed and they've already done their little stat stuff. I don't want that. I want like the raw stuff to do my own stat stuff too. So, so we like um, new Orleans minus the three, but our numbers are anticipating Taysom Hill starting. So what? That's why would they anticipate that? What's up? Why would they anticipate Taysom Hill starting? Okay. I was like, you you know, our guest loves Taysom Hill. Ah. Seriously, I, I I was I've just been thinking like I picked up Jameis Winston like in fantasy, so I was like my head was there. Why why did you pick it? Was like are you in a league with eighty people 
I'm going to leave with a lot of – well, 10 – no, 12 people, is it a, sorry. Is it a two-quarterback A lot league? of benches. It is a two-quarterback league, no, and okay, I had to move – like, okay, I had to no, move a ton sense. of people to the IR. I had Michael Thomas, A.J. Brown, Christian McCaffrey, Paris Campbell, and Tevin Coleman on my team. How's that sound? We like Seattle minus the five. I, I got absolutely yeah. – I mean, I make it 5.1. I, so I know they had like some cluster injuries on the offensive line and Tyrell Smith ended up not playing, but I, like, Tyrone Smith, I think. Dallas getting to two and a half on Sunday at home against the Falcons was a wake up call. And then they end up like, did you take it? Did you take the two and a half? I, 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 I couldn't lay off. I took the two and a half. Yeah, I took it. And I also bet three and a half earlier in the week. So I had <laughs> both sides of the three. Where'd you make like, that game? Got crushed. I had it. I had it like close to six. And despite the offensive line issues, I still, Never would have had it around three. And what do you, so make, that, what do you make that game to the Seahawks game? So th- that's what I'm getting at. I'm like as pro Seattle as I think anyone's been. And I think five's a little high. I'm not going to, it seems like what you guys are doing is pretty heavy into the first two weeks of the season and not as much so priors. Yeah, like, we don't have a lot of we don't have a lot of priors in our model. We, Rufus and I have talked about this before. And I'm the opposite okay. there. Like that, I mean, that would the be why you guys like, like Seattle. But the, the uh, games I like this week, I like New Orleans. Um, I make that close to a touchdown, and that's well, we a both team like, like. We both like New Orleans. We like New Orleans also. But Green Bay is overperformed this year, and New Orleans is probably a good bet. Michael Thomas might be out. There's some others, but Green Bay, as as good as they've looked, at, it's I think maybe slightly fraudulent. Like the Detroit one, we saw it happen last week. You know, Detroit, uh, Minnesota, or excuse me, Detroit was out. Was it five members of their secondary? I think total including Justin Coleman, who is a guy who went out and then they gave up 21 to Mitch Trubisky in the fourth quarter. Uh, and then the Minnesota Vikings defense is just putrid, and that's what Aaron Rodgers – I think that's kind of a nice uh, sell high on the Green Bay Packers already two weeks in. So I like that. Right, the, the, but I'll say this. I also like Minnesota. Well, eh, I lean – I guess I, I make that Tennessee minus 0.7. So I, I took, I took um, plus three juiced on Minnesota earlier. And some plus three and a half minus one forty. I guess we're able to buy, um, buy half a point in a good situation. Minnesota there, is definitely the buy low team. I, it's hard to say who's the buy low team between them and the uh, and the Jets Eagles? so far this year. How about the Eagles buying low at four and a half now at home to the Bengals and Joe Burrow's four yards per play last game? I mean, <laughs> I make that five point seven. What is it? Is it down to four and a half? It was at six. The, yeah, the, I, wow. I Philadelphia again. I wrote about it. I was, everyone gave him a pass because that first game against Washington, they're up 17-0. But all the injuries start going down. They blow the game. Then the following week, everyone's like, oh, well, they lost to the Rams. And they got – I mean, it was like steamed to the Rams side, but then it ended up going, you know, plus one and a half all the way that Eagles favored by two or two and a half. Did you, were you on Rams killed. too? No, I didn't play the game at all. Ah. I, I was off of it. But I was just watching from afar. Now everyone wants to count Philadelphia out. And I can give them a pass. I've been pretty pro-Rams. I bet them in that first week against Dallas. And I just thought they were kind of getting overlooked as a whole because their division's just so tough. So um, do you like so I'm Eagles in this passes, one? And I'm going to be betting the Eagles this week, 100%. I've just been waiting for it to keep coming down. So I have the – Four and a half minus 105, actually. It's not online right now. But So I had the Eagles' performance in the game grades only better than two teams last week. They, they were only better than the Jets and the Vikings. They, I had them fundamentally. You mean the two teams that you're betting on this week? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a wonder I'm not betting on the Eagles. But I heard that Carson I had him 19... interception rate is higher than Jameis Winston's was last week. So far, uh, two games. He's just totally declined to a level that 
I don't know. Maybe they just stink now. It's but it's, possible. it's two games. I think that's the right. big thing. It's two games. I'm betting. I, mean, I think like, like, like in, if in a view, vacuum. If you if you wait, if you view a game like if you think about a bell curve and say, okay, you know the score differential. Like we we have our expectation for the team, and it could be somewhere anywhere in this bell curve. Like I think people are assuming that that the first. I mean, because you're going to have variance. You have the team skill, and you're going to have games that just happen to be better or worse, right? due to bad game plan, whatever, just not being your day. Um, and I think people are quick to say, oh, this must be the way the team played the first two games must be like close to that center of that bell curve. Where, whereas if, if our prior for that team was somewhere else, like I'm, I'm inclined to think, no, it's, it's probably somewhere closer to our prior. And those were sort of more outlier performances a little bit. So that's all. That's, that's what I think in Philadelphia's case. And, I don't know, as much fun as people had watching Joe Burrow throw 61 times and run 88 plays and go five for five on fourth down and backdoor the cover, I just have to bet against him again this week. So I'll be on Philly. Sorry, I, I know I was against you on that one. I got very, we, very Yeah, lucky. we went one and one on the crosses. That, yeah, it's all good. We, we split, but that one was a little tilting because I think the Browns had 100 more yards on 31 fewer plays. I think was the ultimate stat there and – I was like, how did that not – I mean, they were up 12 twice, like, in the final few minutes. But uh, I have a They didn't control the clock. Let's, let's finish with this before you guys – if you have any more picks you want to give out. But I'm curious what you guys would say to – I know you don't bet a lot of totals, I don't think. At least Rufus, maybe not as much pregame. But through two weeks, uh, the overs hit – they're 20 and 12, I believe, is the, the number. And they hit at the third highest rate – since 1986, where we had data that you know traces back as far as 1986, the time the the, the highest rate since 1986 was in 2011 was the lockout year where they yep. didn't practice or meet for over five months, and then they all reconvened ten days before preseason games started. Now in 2011, they hit through the first two weeks overs hit 72 percent, but they had those four preseason games in there to get ready. This year, they didn't even have that. Um, and a lot of the media narrative was like, oh, offenses are going to be rusty. They won't be able to follow blah, blah, blah. They haven't been able to practice. And, you know, some people were the opposite direction. Um, and I didn't kind of really blindly bet one way or the other. I'm just, I was just kind of bringing it to the forefront. Like, hey, it's possible that defense is rusty or their communication, there's a lack of it, right? Tackling and angles could be funky. But uh, I'm curious then because that week three in 2011, I think unders went 10 and six. And it kind of corrected to some extent. Now these are all really small samples, um, but they also had four games of trying to get in sync preseason this year. We didn't have any, and there's so many injuries last week where some of these guys playing now, it's their first games of, of real action of the year. And so I'm very intrigued to see where totals go as a whole. I've found myself, you know, betting a few unders sadly, but uh, I'm curious if you think there's anything to that. If it's just coincidence that two of the top three seasons, you know, since 86 were the two that teams didn't have an off season. Um, no, I don't think it's a coincidence. And I don't know, Jeff, I think we talked, we, we talked about this briefly last week, didn't we? Or am I thinking of some, I talked about it in some other media appearance because, you know, oh my God. people always ask really, me to be on all the media. Really brag that you're a media darling. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to keep up with you. Um, Are you but, committing pod adultery? No, never, never. Okay. Um, I, use, other, I have a separate phone for that. And your burner phone for your pod yeah, adultery. No, no, and wait, he, hold on. But but I, I thought Cheetah made a really, really good point there. I guess the, the question to me, like, and, and I heard before the season, I had heard this whole lockout narrative. I think, like, Warren Sharp was talking about it. Um, he's now – by the way, isn't this crazy that, like, Warren Sharp is now on 
like NBC. And, yeah, and he's doing, and he's like, doing uh, the ringer pod with like yeah. house and Simmons he's, guys. He's Kevin pretty Clark. good on TV. It's not bad. I mean, he's a lot better than you or I were, Rufus. Oh, yeah. A lot better than Cheetah, though. Cheetah's For the sure. nuts. For sure. I, I agree. Cheetah's number one in my power ratings. But <laughs> I do think, I mean, I, I remember him mentioning that 2011 statistic, the 72%. And, and, and looking in week one at how the totals had come down, and I was like, that's kind of odd. Um, because I sort of assumed that that was sort of a popular narrative. I guess it, it wasn't. Um, yeah. So I guess it'll, it it. it What's interesting to me, I guess, and you're right, I haven't been betting totals. I don't bet totals really, really early in the season because um, it requires more work. But to, to see where those numbers have gone, like, I guess, relative to, like, if you have your, I mean, you have your, your ratings, right, Sheeta? Uh-huh. So, like where, like, where was it, I guess, like, if you're not making any adjustments for the, the short, the no preseason, the shortened offseason, like, where were those totals? Like what was the average total relative to your numbers and, and where, and how has that moved, I guess? So I, I guess what I'm trying to ask is what the yeah. perception. Yeah. Relative. So, so week one, actually, I think the average total in week one is the highest it's ever been. And it still seemed, but they were moving down. So as it was about down, the same as, I think it was the same as last changed. year, a little bit lower. Yeah, it, it changed. Sorry. So the opening numbers more or less, I think when we were looking like a week before the season started, because uh, we did a, a a segment on this, they were the highest they were, but then they came down and ended up being similar to last year and and closer to where I had it anyway. So I don't remember it being too far off. But this is the first week where I have like the average total um, is like like one point seven points lower than where the market's at right now. And the market's moved pretty high on a few games that maybe is the reason. Like that one Miami Jacksonville's moved up to forty eight, forty eight and a half. Like there's a few games that maybe uh, are skewing it some you know there's a lot of games that haven't moved at all and are just kind of pretty solid but uh it's That's a going to like too. the actual results themselves somewhat and trying to tie it at least somewhat together and articulate it well so like so far they're scoring 25.2 points per game which is the highest of all time through the first two weeks it's i think like two and a half points higher than last year's average like 2019 and uh i saw aaron i believe it was was writing about how their DVOA offensive efficiency metric, like offensive, uh, just in general offense is 9% more efficient so far through two weeks than it was last year. So there's a lot of actual like underlying bases for all of it. It's not like that a bunch of special teams and defensive touchdowns happened. And so that they've like kind of flukily gone over for two weeks. It's that offenses are scoring more per game. They're more efficient. Uh, and they're also doing it with uh, more conservative play calling in general, I know was one thing that I read about after week one. I'm not sure if that kind of reversed back the other way week two, um, but that was one thing week one where running was more frequent. They weren't throwing or going play action as often on first down, even though some things were as a whole, it was not the case and still scoring was up. So uh, from a market perspective, I think they're now over correcting for the first two weeks by 1.7 points on average, which is a lot. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with a couple of the games that have moved a ton up. Um, but like I said, I bet a few under. So, uh, this week I'm expecting at least some correction. If I had to like just blindly bet, you know, every game over or under, I would definitely be choosing under. Yeah. All right. Despite, well, despite, got, despite all the injuries, What's up? and the fact I said despite all the injuries, because I think the injury thing almost suggested that this would persist. Because that's what I was kind of implying. Yeah, yeah like, for a lot of these guys, it's their first game, and so is it the same thing as week one again for you know 20 percent of the league? It's a good question. I don't know. 
Will we learn anything from from week three, or will it is it not not enough data? Uh, if Seattle wins by twenty one over Dallas, then I think we have our uh, Super Bowl favorite. <laughs> okay. Oh, I meant, I meant in terms of the bias, but I know no, we I know. won't. I mean, uh-huh. that, that, I'm just pro Seattle now the rest of the year. Okay. So so literally, he just put the narrative together, which was there is something to it. The market seems to have overcorrected. Like largely there's value now on the unders because of the overcorrection and we'll see what happens in week three. Yeah. So it's um, what I would like to understand more is would you rather be cheetah on daily wager with Doug Kazarian or Warren Sharp on NBC with Chris Collinsworth? Who does, who's he on NBC with? I don't know. I haven't seen him on NBC yet. I Did think you it's just like tell me he was on ESPN on NBC. No, I mean he said that on the Ringer that he had, or he's. I I saw on Twitter that he said he was going to be on NBC. Okay, forget it. Let's move uh, on. Other well, other. Well, I want to know what your answer now is. Would you rather be with with Kazarian or Chris Collinsworth? That's. I mean, I would rather be with Cheetah, having a wonderful meal in Las Vegas. Man, one of these days again. That sounds one amazing. of these days or sitting having the most enormous prime rib roast and uh you know short rib barbecue at major domo meat and fish that would be amazing right yes sir rufus was there right yeah you were there for that that was that that was was an amazing meal that was was so good that with matt and what they did with the rice with the leftover short my all-time favorite dishes ever that's your child's all-time favorite dishes too, right? Your children. Oh, I told it. So I went back. I didn't tell Rufus. I went back uh, either the following weekend or two weekends later to take my wife, you. and we tried the same thing. And I took home extras just because there's a ton of food. And my like four-year-old and three-year-old kids just gobbled it the next day. They ate all of that rice dish. It was a favorite thing. Did you but, uh, did you did you beat them after that? Because I probably would have beat them. I would have used an Adrian Peterson switch on them for eating like a forty-dollar. Yeah, for sure. One left. It's not funny, guys. It wasn't funny. The, at least you knew it was a joke, Rufus, as opposed to Taysom Hill starting for the, the, the Saints. Hey, batting 500. That's an improvement. <laughs> hey, I have a question. Yeah. Last one that actually maybe pertains to the NFL in this podcast. Uh, what, what do you make of the Arizona Cardinals start, Rufus? Have you seen a huge upgrade in where your preseason versus now – priors versus now numbers are projections are do you think they're legit if it wasn't for Detroit being so hampered defensively and I still kind of like plus six actually regardless but uh I don't know I think that's an interesting game this week and uh people really Arizona Kyler Murray they're the sexy team but I'm not sure if uh, I buy it yet that's a good question so I, I had them as the 12th best game grade week one they were I had them their defense being better than expected um their offense not as much um, week two, number 10. So, you know, they had two games where they, they graded okay. out above average. Um, interestingly, they've been, you know, they've, wait, their penalty yards differential is plus 104. That's a lot of yards. They also got like two, uh, I think San Francisco was two for 13 that first game on third and fourth down. Uh, yeah, that's, it was like kind of some, I don't know. That's why I feel like I can't buy Arizona yet, but Murray's been fantastic in fantasy. Uh, anyways, I kind of like Detroit plus six. I don't know if I'll end up getting there because of the injuries. I'm kind of waiting to see if a couple of those five that were out last week play. But uh, Arizona is interesting to me. Oh, by the way, that w- that was they've been penalized more yards. Um, uh, okay, that sounds like Kingsbury more than the other way around. 
Maybe. I mean, I make that, I make that basically on market. I have it 5.3. Um, okay. And that's with like an 85% home field advantage. But interestingly with the two no start, I, I have Arizona now. I have them as nine, a nine win team, 9.03. And, and now they're a coin flip or slightly better, 54% Get to make to the, the playoffs. playoffs. Yeah. That whole nice. division is, is every, every team, at the lowest is 43% now. Can you, is, do, yeah. Where do you, is San Francisco still, because they're just so depleted, like Bosa's out for the year, Solomon Thomas out for the year. Who knows what Kittle and Jimmy G, like, they probably finished last in this division now. If, so, you could, if you knew like ahead of time, hey, these guys are all going to be out for a while. Like, I don't know. It's crazy how big that has flipped since last year in the Super Bowl. It is. I mean, but it's the, the Super Bowl losing curse, right? Maybe for them it's not an effectiveness, it's just injury. Yeah. But I'll, I'll say this. I ran my simulations, and then I realized, oh, crap, I forgot to, like, because I ran it with, like, Nick Mullins as the starting quarterback, and I forgot to, like, put the little probability distribution for when Jimmy Garoppolo returns. Come back. And so, yeah. literally, I'm just running it as a Nick Mullins team the rest of the way, and I have them as 8.4 wins there and a 42% chance of making the playoffs. So, it should – but oh, if, okay. if you – but, but, Right, but at the same time, if I mean that's because they're not a quarterback, they're not a team that is quarterback is quarterback dependent as other top teams. Sure. But you know, it, I think that might be a better approximation than if I had actually reinserted Jimmy G, just given the fact that given all the people they lost. Okay, question: In the AFC, one and two are pretty clear, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Baltimore, Who Casey? rank rank three, four, five in power ratings or chance of making the Super Bowl or what? Um. Well, three and four, I think are pretty clear. I have, I still have New England slightly ahead of Buffalo, but I know, I know Buffalo is throwing like I think it's like twelve percent more often on first down than they were last year. Like they're kind of even though it was uh, what the Jets and the Dolphins, I, I they might be kind of growing on me slightly. But then I think tennis. And Pittsburgh would be that next tier of who do you have fifth? And I have Tennessee slightly ahead of Pittsburgh right now. So you have okay. Buffalo and New England three, four uh, in whatever order, and then you have, Bu- have Pittsburgh and Tennessee five, six. Tennessee five, yeah. Then and Colts are really close, six. They're seventh. So you're not buying. You guys are not buying Pittsburgh then as a legitimate like contender for the AFC. I am. They're they're almost tied with Tennessee for fifth best. I mean, it's possible. Okay, so that's another game. This I don't know. This Texans line. I don't know if that's partly you, Rufus. It's come down a ton. Uh, that's kind of like a narrative of the team that's down 0-2. I think historically covers you know I don't know sixty percent of the time when they were in the playoffs the year prior or something because this is like their desperation motivation angle. But like Pittsburgh, I mean, this sets up. They, last year they were I don't know their adjusted sack rate was really high, like nine point eight percent. This year it's 11.1%. Their defensive line and their rush is ridiculous. And they're going up against a Texans team that their offensive line is dead last in adjusted sack rate this year. It was dead last two years ago. It was 28th last season. I don't know. This matchup seems like Pittsburgh should roll. And it went down to three and a half for a while. There's only a few more spots with three and a half. But I kind of like Pittsburgh. But that was a game that I was surprised to see it move that much the Texans way. I kind of like Pittsburgh too, but I also want to say the whole sack thing is more of a, that's not an offensive line stat. That's a quarterback stat. So the, all the quarterbacks that Pittsburgh plays is. Oh, I mean, I thought you were talking about Houston sack rate. Well, I mentioned that offense. because they are, they've been dead last for three years, despite Watson's mobility. Well, that's because Watson holds the ball so long. He called the ball and then just he holds the ball all the time. Yeah. But it's, it's been, Wilson a, it's takes been a ton known of that Houston's 
offensive line is just bad in general. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's no, you made a fair point. But I was mostly referring to the fact that either way, Pittsburgh is going to get pressure on him. And if he's holding the ball or the offensive line, whoever's fault it is, like, I, don't know. I think the matchup is really conducive to Pittsburgh. I, I mean, I make it minus 4.7. So I, I'm with you on that. Um, I don't know if people think that Jeff Driscoll, they saw him kind of, you know, make that a game late and they're like, oh, maybe Pittsburgh's defense isn't very good. And the Texans are 0 2. Uh, I, yeah. But Rufy, I mean, you, you want to give us some picks? I know wait, you I need to say, go. I need, to, need you. I know you need to go play your golf tomorrow, so you need to go to bed soon. Oh, nice. Good luck. Well, thanks. Um, I also played my golf today too. But, but Jeff, you'd asked about the top five, like yes. in after Baltimore, Kansas City. I actually yes. have Tennessee and Pittsburgh ahead of New England and Buffalo. Yeah, that's. I was interested if you agreed with Cheetah because Cheetah's rankings surprised me a teeny bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I have Tennessee at like a plus 3.2, Pittsburgh plus 3, Buffalo plus 1.7, New England – or sorry, New England plus 1.8, Buffalo plus 1.7. Yeah. Um, I picks, my though. numbers have never been able to get behind Tennessee. I can't catch up to – I don't know they why I weren't very like good Tennessee. last week anyways, but I don't know. Last year they just crushed me. But, I mean, I feel like I shouldn't like them given the fact that, you know, last year they were so lucky in terms of oh, the yeah. red zone efficiency and all that. And, and that they were – you know, it was driven by things. It seems to me, at least, that it was driven by things that aren't particularly sustainable. But, but I'm, yet, I'm more surprised that you have them thirds actually than maybe Jeff was the other way. Yeah, interesting. I mean, they're in a cluster of teams there, but in a cluster with like Green Bay, Pittsburgh, Tampa. All right, um, picks. You asked for picks. Yeah, unless you want to like talk all night, because I'm happy to talk all night. I'm we've been sad going. and this lonely. Yeah, I'm, I'm sad and lonely it. because of the Celtics. Oh, does tonight. anyone know if the A's won? I can look it up for you. That was my Zilbo pick today. I forgot to check. Wait, are you betting what he's betting or against him? Oh no, that's my against. Nice. Rufus, was that a real question? You think well, he would blindly maybe follow he's what due. Zilbo bets? Yeah, okay. six to four. Guys, I, I'm enjoying. I, I, he's been Twitter nice. Stuff. Obviously, we're sending plays to each other for this contest, but I'm I'm not joking. Two days ago, this, we do one play every day. Two days ago was the first time he won two in a row, all year. It's like it, you know how hard it would be to flip fifty coins and not get heads or tails twice in a row once. Like it's just it's so remarkably. I yeah, I, don't, I'm I can't not believe I'm going to do this. I, but he's I'm been really unlucky, some, I think, too. I, I, I can't ahead. believe I'm going to do this, but I'm going to say something in his defense a little bit, and that's the uh-huh. fact that, like, I've had runs like hell. The first round of the U.S. Open last week, I went 0-10 on three balls. And then I still ended up making money for round bets for the week somehow. But, like, you can – there are – crazy extreme like the improv over the over a long enough time period the improbable is will happen yes exactly so so i feel like i wouldn't look at it in a vacuum but what i what i find interesting is just him like bitching and moaning and about all the bad beats where like he he posted something about a contender for the worst missed strike zone call which actually like or missed strike call it was a ball that most of it is in the strike zone but it's still like close yeah like and okay, then so you and then someone blindly... else is like wait wait and then someone else says well didn't that didn't that lose by didn't that total go over after only five innings you know and he's like oh this is such a bad beat and I'm like oh, I'm not sure uh... okay so you have to blindly follow one person Doug Kazarian Zilbo or Jason McIntyre who do you follow I'm I'm following Zilbo because he's due he is 
Do it. <laughs> he follow, certainly do. I would follow Kazarian because he's betting other people's picks. <laughs> that's probably Zilbo's record is oh, wait, he put an asterisk. Oh no, that's each bet is if it's graded, it's one unit. 17 right, Rufus, 39 give us some NFL four. picks. Okay, NFL picks. Um I like the Raiders. What's the line now? Is it plus six? Yeah. I like the Raiders plus six. My new hometown team. Six and a half. Even better. Um, What what are the Vikings at right now? Two and a half. Yeah, I don't really like it at two and a half. But um, is the football team still at seven? Yes. I lean that way. If it's seven and a half, seven and a half is better. Um, Seven and a half is better than seven? You know, some people You're say that. You have to explain that math to me. Or that's maybe called, we can get Taysom Hill to do it. That's called analytics, Jeff. Yeah, the two-point math. Analytics, seven and a half well, is greater than seven. That was the complex Don't math trust it. About Don't trust those analytics. The seven and a half tables. might not the actually be tables. bigger than seven. Um, the, the Jets, obviously. <laughs> you can just pencil oh, that into the next, like, five weeks probably. And then um, a favorite, the Saints laying three. The Saints are a... Bet the process consensus pick. How about you? Is it, wait, is it, by yet, the way, is that still three? Yeah, minus, minus three, minus 117 is what I'm seeing. Yeah, I mean, I still like it at three and a half, so. Oh, good. All right. I'm going to bet that. Yay. How about you, Cheetah? Cheetah's going to move the market so nobody else will be able no, to get I'm it. No, I'm not. I don't, I don't. You mentioned that the other day. I don't move the NFL at all. So I don't think I do either. Unless I bet it like on Sunday, but I haven't been betting right when they open up anyways. Um, I could have more often when I was in Vegas, but I'm no longer there when Westgate pops in. Uh, no, I, I like the under and the Raiders England game. I'm going to be on Philadelphia. Uh, if you can get Pittsburgh at minus three and a half, there's still a few out there. I, I think that's too low now. And I'm going to be adding the Saints. Uh, and depending on injuries, I actually think Green Bay, New Orleans, under 52 and a half is interesting. But Devontae Adams got hurt. Michael Thomas has been hurt. Um, I don't know. Drew Brees' arm is a thing. We just saw it happen against the Raiders, and I only had that at 50 healthy, and the you know the receivers aren't even um, completely healthy anyway. So those are a few that I'll throw out there. Nice. All right, well, we should let Rufus go to sleep, although I bet he's not going to sleep. Oh, look at him. He just wants to keep talking. We can keep talking, Rufus. Ah, it's all good. Wait, I looked up Zilba's picks, though, and it was actually White Sox-Cleveland today. To go under, I haven't looked. Oh, it did. He got that one. He took under seven minus one twenty-five. I I I actually had the over in that game. So Zilbo is one and zero against me. Did you get six and a half? I got a yes. I think I had six and a half minus one eleven or something like that. So he took seven and seven under minus one twenty-five. Let me see what I got. That means you're making me check my losing tickets today. How is baseball? I know last year was good overall, but. It's been okay. It's it's been okay. It's just weird because of the, um, you know, because we run the stuff a couple different times, uh-huh. and because of all the double headers now, the and seven the innings, runs, and, yeah. it just it just runs it just runs weird. So, in overnights, um, you can't get a lot down on overnights anymore, and they don't have run lines typically on overnights. So, it's just it's been kind of a mess. I mean, the last few days have been pretty good and. I don't know. We'll just kind of round out the season. Today was today was a today was a winner. The only nice. thing I lost today was a uh, was well, not the only thing, but the, the thing I lost today was was the Celtics second half bet that I made, which actually only ended up losing by half a point, which is crazy. 
So Miami would have missed a free throw for you down the stretch. Or like – Well, yeah. Or I mean, Tyler missed a shot. Or Tatum made one in the first half. All right. We can wrap this up. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it as usual. Thanks. We always thanks, enjoy it. Thanks for joining us as always. We'll have you on again at some point. Um, the Celtics are the finals. We'll have you on again as long as Doug Kazarian is not available. So – um, thanks for listening again, and um, we'll talk to you guys next week. All the numbers in the simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down, it seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are but the engines running off a of leaded. 